Good morning and welcome to Subject ACT. I'm Nathan Goobler. I'm pretty sure by now everyone would have heard of Tim the Yowie Man. He's uh, very well known for uh, investigating the paranormal, supernatural and crypto-natural phenomena that occur uh, particularly around this area, but in Australia in general. And uh, he's always been someone I've wanted to sit down and have a chat with. And uh, what better opportunity to do so than uh, on the eve of the release of a new series by Tim the Yowie Man. It's called Tim the Yowie Man, the series. And there'll be three episodes up uh, in a few weeks time uh, looking at different mythologies and uh, paranormal sightings around the area and also an episode on uh, what the best pie is around the south coast. I had a great time talking to Tim the Yowie Man and I'm sure you will enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed talking to him. Tim the Yowie Man, welcome to Subject ACT. Very pleased to be here. Morning Nathan. Um, so uh, when, did, when did you start being Tim the Yowie Man? I guess that's the, first, yeah. the best question to start with. Yeah, I, a long time ago. I was thinking about this the other day and it started making me feel old. Uh, it was way back uh, in 1994, which is uh, yeah, okay. a long time ago. I was uh, studying uh, here at the ANU yep. and I was doing an economics degree of all things. And I was trying to value the national parks just to the west of Canberra. Went up into the mountains and was looking for people to, to interview. And then one afternoon, it was a May afternoon, 1994, I was up near a place called Mount Franklin in the Brindabellas, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this big, black, hairy, ape-like creature. Yeah, right. Immediate reaction was to turn and run, but I, but I didn't. I kept my eye on it for as long as I could and got back to the car. Uh, came back to uni, told a few friends what I'd seen. You know, obvious questions. Were you drinking? Were you um, indulging in magic mushrooms? Yeah. None of which I was doing. And basically, I said, you, you've seen the Yowie. And I said, what the what? And uh, they explained that the Yowie was the Australian version of Bigfoot. And prior to then, I didn't know we had one. Yeah. So uh, they started nicknaming me Tim the Yowie Hunter. Uh, and uh, I quickly changed that because I didn't want to be seen as going out there to hunt the creature. It sort of conjures up images of sort of capturing it or, or killing it. So it changed to Tim the Yowie Man, and I've been stuck with that ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, when I first came across um, your stuff, even though I'd heard of the Yowie, I still had to look it up to see what it is. Can you go into a bit more detail as to what a Yowie actually is? Yeah, and a a lot of people are like that because uh, when you're growing up in Australia, you know, maybe like you saw if you've heard of what a heard of a Yowie and heard of a Bunyip, maybe. Yep, yep. Yeah, and a lot of people think. They're the same creature, mm. but they're not. So the difference is a, a Yowie is a, a big, hairy, ape-like creature, uh, like a large gorilla, two meters or so high, you know, like the American version um, uh, of, of, you might have heard of Bigfoot, Bigfoot or Sasquatch yeah. or yeah. Yeti, the abominable snowman over in, in Nepal and, and the Himalayas. Mm. Uh, so it's the Australian, I guess, equivalent of that. That's the Yowie. Whereas then you've got the Bunyip, which is... Um, it's, it's more a swamp-dwelling creature that's uh, a lot smaller and of various descriptions. So it's more seen in, uh, in inland billabongs, waterways, things like that. And it, it's, it's uh, of various descriptions from all things like a, a cow covered in feathers um, with, with scales. It's, it's a bit more spurious, a bit more questionable than, than the Yowie. There's a, there's a lot more credible reports of a Yowie uh, than there are of the Bunyip. And were there, um, was the Yowie in... Aboriginal mythology uh, to begin both, with? Both are. 
both, yeah, both okay. str- strong in Aboriginal uh, 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 Dreamtime stories and also in, in, in stories in general. Uh, if, in fact, if you travel up and down the east coast of Australia, you'll come across the Yowie legend um, in each of the different Indigenous communities. They call it different names like Quinkin up in far north Queensland or Doolagar here on the south coast of uh, New South Wales. Uh, but it basically means the same thing, this big hairy ape-like creature and, and Yowie's... I guess the generic term given to the collection of all those indigenous um, creatures mm. and the same with the bunyip. But the, the bunyip is more, uh, it's thought that the yaoi is more a flesh and blood type creature, whereas the, the, the bunyip is thought to be more a creature that's been uh, almost invented to by some indigenous peoples to scare the kids away from mm. waterways because, of course, a lot... Uh, a lot of drownings um, dating back, you know, thousands of years. And to keep the kids out of the waterway, they say, don't go near there. There's a bunyip that might come and, and, and attack you. So yeah, uh, I think that's the main difference there. And so has the Yowie been corroborated by like, white settler accounts? Oh, very much so. Yeah, okay. Very much so since, uh, yeah, in the last, you know, 200 years or so, there's been Yowie reports, uh, literally hundreds. Mm. There's uh, a couple of uh, my colleagues, uh, Tony uh, Healy, lives in Canberra and Paul Cropper from Sydney. They've, they've written a, a book, which is a compilation of literally hundreds of, of Yowie reports yeah, right up okay. and down the East Coast. They're, yeah, it's not just Indigenous people uh, that have seen them in the past, but, but these days, yeah, it's, 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 uh, they're, they're seen quite regularly. Mm. And so for like, I don't know, the more sceptical-minded, yes. uh, what could the Yowie sightings, what, what could those people actually... Yeah. seeing like and, what what are the yeah. explanations skeptics usually give yeah and, and i might point out here a lot of people think because i'm called tim the yowie man i'm this and i've seen something which for all intensive purposes is a yowie that i must be this firm believer and yet there's definitely a yowie out mm, there mm. i'm still struggling to come to terms with what i saw and yeah. tr- to try and explain it so mm. i'm always looking for those those explanations uh the most obvious one uh is that the yowie is uh, a hoax which in many cases I'm sure it is, but not all cases, as in someone dressed in a gorilla suit right. out there romping around in the bush yep. trying to scare you. Yep. When I was up there, when I had my sighting in 1994, I wasn't the Yowie man. I was just an average person doing some field work. So it'd be unusual for someone to try and hoax me then. Mm. Um, since then, I've been hoaxed a few times, including yeah, right. <laughs> you know, people getting in gorilla suits and running in front of cars and, and the like. So, um, yeah, so there's no doubt that a large, um, I, I imagine a large proportion of Yowie sightings could well be hoaxes. Mm. However, there are many which are not. And as to what they are, whether it's a new creature, some people say it's a new creature to science, but... You know, when I first started looking into Yowies, I thought, well, maybe it is. But after over 20 years, I, I don't think so. We would have found someone, particularly with all the technology these days, someone would have got great conclusive evidence in mm. terms of photos, mm. video footage, DNA of a creature like a Yowie. So I've actually moved away from it being flesh and blood to, and this might sound a bit strange because mm. we're talking about Yowies. And now I'm saying they're not necessarily flesh and blood, Nathan, but they could be paranormal. Yeah, okay. Now, when I first got into Yowies, I went over to this conference in the US. They have conferences on Bigfoot, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Wow. I arrived there yeah. and there was biff. There were people getting stuck into each other, belting each other in the car park of this of this conference center. And I said, what's going on? What's all this about? And they said, uh, well, there, we just had the first session of the conference and 
a whole heap of people were saying Yowie is or Bigfoot is flesh and blood, and mm. the others were paranormal. Right. And the two camps didn't they they wouldn't uh, talk to each other. They were firmly of the belief of whatever camp they were in. Wow. And I thought the idea of it being paranormal was crazy. And I was in the flesh and blood camp. Yeah. But after twenty years of looking for it, I've swapped. I've um, I've swapped. Mm. I'm now in the in the paranormal camp. Uh, in terms of, and that might explain why a lot of indigenous people uh, see the Yowie uh, dating back through time because it's more I believe it's more a spiritual uh, being that some people that have a connection with a particular area of the land they're able to see it and, mm. and others aren't mm. um, that's my best explanation that, that, I've, that I've managed to come up with after 20 years and I'm, I'm I, I'm sitting in that camp and I believe it's people that have an association with that particular area of country that are seeing seeing the Yowie yeah so could the Yowie be um like this uh, supernatural being specific to Australia or all the, like, because we have similar yes. shaped creatures seen all over the world. Could this be a universal phenomenon? Uh, it's a very good question. One I, I wish I knew, I knew yeah. the, the answer to. I think uh, various peoples of all over the world and it's the Yowie or the, the Bigfoot Sasquatch in America all have association with their indigenous peoples as well. Mm. So I think it really is, a connection with the land and a connection with that particular era. At one stage, you know, when all various continents were joined, um, the creatures may have evolved from that stage. Uh, who knows? Mm. It's a, it's a, uh, I don't have an answer for that question. Yeah. I wish I'd, in another 20 years, I might, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just quickly, yeah. um, I've seen the Bigfoot video, the like the famous one. Yeah, the Patterson going through. Yeah, yeah going many, through some many times. Yeah. Um, what what's your verdict on that video? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one uh, has been shown to be uh, to be fake. Uh, yeah, okay, and to right. be someone actually dressed in a in a gorilla suit because it looks <laughs> like it to me. But and and, and yeah, it does look like someone yeah. walking in a gorilla suit. Uh, that's because uh, it is someone walking in a gorilla suit. But yeah, that that vision from I think I've forgotten what year it was now. It was from the eighties or it was earlier than the eighties. It, yeah, okay. it got a lot of airtime in the eighties, but I, I think that was from the late sixties even. I, I I should know that, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, I haven't looked at that for for a long time because it has been discredited. Did they did they find out who was in the suit? Yeah, someone confessed. Oh, okay. So, Someone right, did. yeah. yeah. <laughs> someone did. Someone did. But, but uh, and that's why, uh, you know, since then, there has been a lot of other uh, uh, people claiming to have Yowie, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti footage. Um, uh, but, yeah, that the one you're talking about, yeah. where you, there's, you see a, a gorilla-like creature stepping over a log in like a, yeah. a pine forest in the United States, that's that's the, the famous footage, which is unfortunately discredited. Yeah, but do people still click on to that? Yeah, they still click on it. Yeah, all okay, yeah. right. Yeah, uh, you know, then, then there's conspiracy theories. So you know, yeah. no, it's not. You know, yeah, that's the true right, believers yeah. that want it to be a flesh and blood creature want that to uh, want that to want hold it to be that real. Yeah, yeah, want it to be real. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about um, the new series coming up, which is going to premiere at the National Film and Sound Archive on the 18th of October from 6 p.m. Can you talk a little bit about um, what? sort of topics will be covered in the series yes um first yeah that the, the premiere is then but um unfortunately all tickets are currently allocated so we um we can't unfortunately have any any walk-ups to that but the series is it's called tim the yowie man the series and ever since i first saw that yowie and i've been researching strange happenings all around australia and the world ever since and yowies now only take up about 
one percent of my time so it's all these other mysteries ghosts sea serpents um curses all that sort of thing um uh, and i thought wouldn't it be good to make a series on an online tv series on some of these mysteries so i've managed to um to uh, collaborate with a local uh production company called ostography and uh we are uh we've made three episodes so far of the first series and they all capture uh and highlight three local mysteries which i've uh, loved to investigate so Mm. uh it's really going to shine the spotlight on the local region because not only is it highlighting three local mysteries it's also all produced uh, uh by by locals yeah um and there was a trailer i think for it uh, yes. with um brett smith who yes. is a trout snorkeler yes yeah, yeah, so, so, so not only have we got three main episodes one of which is on lake george the mysteries of lake george we all know lake george another which is the mysteries of burnham a homestead a, a haunted house near bombala and the third one the mystery of this is a bit different mystery of the where the best pie is <laughs> i think my tummy got it got in the way there but in between these main episodes we're also doing uh what we call minisodes which uh as you allude to there brett smith uh from the snowy mountains he's the trout snorkeler now this is hard to hard to fathom but when i first heard about this i thought it can't be real so we went down there with our camera uh brett in the depths of winter and in fact all year round uh likes to look at trout not necessarily catch them he just likes to see the trout swimming in the high country rivers of australia so even in winter he dons a dry suit uh he takes a chainsaw with him goes to a frozen lake up there in the snowy mountains uh digs uh digs with a a shovel or uses an axe or his chainsaw to break the ice Mm. and then he dives underneath and with his camera he captures uh, great, amazing footage of these creatures, yeah, okay. uh, not only trout but eels, platypus that are living there under the ice. Mm. You know, when we go up to ski or snowboard or toboggan up in the mountains, you, you wouldn't realize that, you know, beneath the snow, um, all these creatures are, are lurking. Uh, he, he tried to convince me, Brett, to get in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I've done some crazy things in my time. I've even <laughs> swum in Loch Ness where the water is, is near on yep. freezing, but. No, there was no way I was getting in there. It was absolutely freezing. So, yeah, Brett features in the minisode uh, called the, the Trout Snorkeler. You're listening to Subject ACT. My name is Nathan Goobler, and I'm having a conversation here with Tim the Yowie Man on the eve of the release of his new series, Tim the Yowie Man, the series. Stay tuned for more of our conversation. Um, what are some of the mysteries of Lake George? Yeah, there's so many. There's, I like to call it Australia's Bermuda Triangle of mystery. Yeah, uh, okay. Because there are so many, whether it's wow. um, fireballs that enter the lake uh, and have done so for many years, uh, like balls of light that uh, no one can, can explain. Some people say they're UFOs, others, others say they're meteors entering the lake that have killed fish in the past, to all the, the, the deaths. There's been over 15 people die in the lake, even though yeah, it's okay. quite placid waters when you mm. when you drive past yeah uh but the biggest mystery of the lake and i'm sure you've heard of this nathan is where's the water go yeah, yeah. And it's over two periods of time so over the the long term uh you know the lake's been dry 13 times since european settlement and there's all these theories tell me if you've heard this one or not that as lake george goes up uh, another lake uh, in New Zealand or Siberia or somewhere goes down yeah, and okay. they're connected yeah, by right. some strange system of uh, 
of, uh, of of tunnels, yeah. uh, which of of course is quite fanciful. So, so the long term, where how the water goes up and down over the long term is unfortunately the explanation is a bit boring. It's purely evaporation and mm-hmm. and and rainfall, and because the lake is really shallow. It, it, Imagine a saucer. Um, you put that out in the sun in summer, it can evaporate really quickly, mm. and that's why the water disappears. But the more interesting um, mystery is how the water can change, appear to change level on the same day. So when the lake's about half full, which it's not quite at the moment, we need a bit more rain. We almost got there last year. When the lake's about half full, um, there's this amazing um, phenomenon which happens. You can be driving up to Sydney, look out to the lake, and the water driving up to Sydney in the morning and the water seems quite close to the road. Mm. You go, okay, well, the lake's got a fair bit of water in it. Maybe it's almost full. But when you drive back in the evening, you look out there, the same day, the water is a long way away and you can't see it. There's no way that much water can evaporate in a day. And this fooled or or, um, was a mystery for the first explorers that came into the region because they they camped, they put up their tent near the lake uh, on a dry section of the lake uh, and woke up that same night even though it hadn't rained uh, and they had wet pants yeah right (laughs) because the water had had, had seemingly come from nowhere and so the way that mystery is explained is is is, uh, a scientific phenomenon called a seiche and it it um, relates to the lake being really shallow as well and the key there is the wind because the wind of the morning and overnight comes from the coast the eastern side of the lake and blows the water because the lake is so shallow. If you imagine a source and you blow on one side, you blow the water to the other side. So the easterly overnight blows the water towards the federal highway where you're driving towards Sydney. So in the morning, the water's all over that side. Yep. And then of an afternoon, the winds shift and they come from the, uh, the inland and it literally blows the water to the other side. So you've got this effect of the water like a pendulum swinging from one side of the lake to the other. Yeah, okay. And that's one of the mysteries, uh, Lake George, that we, we do explain in yeah. uh, Tim the Owie Man, the, the, the online series. I might be getting my um, Aboriginal mythology mixed mm-hmm. up, but wasn't there with Lake George like a similar story to Tiddalik the frog, like a, a creature that would retract the water. And then, oh, is, the, there, is there the, anything like uh, that? Not necessarily in Aboriginal mythology, no, but more in European legend. There, there, okay. there are stories of a, of a bunyip-like creature that um, would, would, would drink, literally, would, yeah, when it was okay. thirsty, would drink all the water, and, uh, and that's why the water would disappear. In fact, uh, the, I think it was the, uh, a New South Wales um, road gazetteer from about 120 years ago uh, actually described, said, beware of the, the Lake George monster, which comes and takes all the water away. Um, but in that same gazetteer, it said, Lake George is surrounded by gigantic, towering mountains. So given... You know, we all know the lake's just got a few hills around it. Given yeah. the amount of exaggeration in that statement, <laughs> I think there might have been a bit of exaggeration with the so-called yeah. monster in the lake. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, you know, we do explore that in the series as well. So yeah. um, you'll have to watch that Lake George episode. I wanted to do a, a bit of an aside because I found this video on um, James Montgomery Wilcox's uh, YouTube channel, yeah. actually, um, about the burly beast. Yes, the burly beast. Yeah. Well, you know, Lake Burley Griffin has its own monster. Now, some people go, how can I have a moment? It's a man-made lake. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, of course, it is a man-made lake, but it's based, uh, it's a result of the Malonglo River being dammed, you know, in the early 1960s. And reports of a strange water-dwelling creature like the bunyip we've been talking about date back well before there was a lake. 
you know, there was there's reports of um, some early settlers throwing stones at a, a creature that they saw near where the boathouse restaurant now is by the lake, but when it was the when it was a river. There's a number of reports from the late 1800s and early 1900s of this beast. Now, when they turned the lake, uh, sorry, when they turned the river into the lake. Um, the sightings continued, and so uh, the nickname "the Burly Beast" was was mm. coined. Um, as to what it is, I've actually been out there with um, international film crews trying to find it because they're trying to say, "Well, where's Australia's Loch Ness monster equivalent?" I don't think it's quite up there with the Loch Ness monster, but uh, uh, people are still seeing strange things in the lake. Uh, yeah, okay. uh, some can be explained by you know a large uh, cod or even unidentified uh, rubbish washing down the lake. I once had a report that someone saw a, a, a sea serpent, they describe it as, about the length of a telegraph pole, Yeah. about the width of a telegraph pole. That's because it was a telegraph pole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the burly beast, we, we, can, we can wonder whether there is something in there or not. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's good to have that air of mystery about the lake, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm pretty excited to see this particular episode you mentioned before about trying to find the best pie. Yes. A- around which area? Again? Around, so we all head to the, years ago, whenever I head to the South Coast, people say, hey, Tim, when you go to the coast, you've got to stop at Bakery X, Y or Z. They've got the best pies. Yeah. And no matter who I spoke to, they'd all tell me a different pie or a, a different spot to, to stop at. So it's centered around a trip. I've had that experience too. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and some of them fell a bit short. I don't know if that happened for you. And some of them were really good pies. Mm. So without giving too much away, it's, a, it's an adventure to the South Coast over a weekend where I sample, not sample, sorry, where I eat 10 meat pies. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's Quite hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, at, ver- at each of the a short list that was um, decided on by Canberrans over a Facebook poll of where they thought the best pies were. You know, including the Braidwood Bakery, famous Robertson Pie Shop uh, up on the Southern Highlands. As you, you head down the coast, uh, then there's a place at Barangarry near Kangaroo Valley called the World's Best Pies. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, it's oh we've got the best pie. So went and tested it out, ate the pies. Um, judge them on a number of different criteria from taste to filling to crust to yeah. value for money. And uh, we've come up with the, the, the best pie in the, in, in the region. And uh, I won't give too much away, yeah. but it's at a location that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, okay. Uh, but a lot of people do go to this spot and they actually even export pies overseas. People yeah, go buy right. their pies from this. It's not really even a bakery. It's sort of a semi-bakery. They, they, but... Hundreds of people flock to this bakery or this location and 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 sample and eat the pies uh, just because they're so tasty. Yeah, uh, it's on the south coast. I'll, it's between Batemans Bay and Aladala. That's all I'll give away at the moment. Yeah, okay. got to wait for the episode. Yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling full just thinking of it. I put on about two and a half to three kilos that weekend and uh, couldn't move. And even though I love a pie, just mm. like it sounds like you do, Nathan, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't touch a pie for for months after mm. we filmed that because mm. we filmed that um, earlier this year. What is it? What is it about those like South Coast pies that just make them one step above the competition, like yeah. in other in the metropolitan areas? Yeah, well, well, I wonder if it is that, or if it's because we as Canberrans, when we're heading to the coast, you know, you're in that holiday frame of mind, and you you might have been driving for a while or surfing, and you're, you're that extra bit hungry. So I think it's more a case of it's sort of 
we associate it with good times and holidays. Just like mm. if someone from the South Coast was looking for a good pie, they might think some of ours here in Canberra are really pretty good because yep. they're on holidays here in Canberra and you know they've come to the Big Smoke or whatever and this pie is really good. Yep. So I think it's a little bit of psychology behind the best pie and, and not just the taste. Mm. Although to, to make it consistent, I took my own bottle of sauce and had the same sauce on each pie. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, and if I was eating too many pies in... In, in quick succession, I, I slowed down so that I was hungry enough to just want that little bit of pie. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> it was a very technical episode yeah. and a, a bit different to the scientific, very, very scientific, yeah. uh, and a bit different to uh, the mysteries of, of Lake George. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And in doing so, I might say the aim of the series that that we're is also to showcase the region. So we've got um, a local uh, drone operator, uh, Paul Huskis, and he was up there with a drone showing uh, filming. You know, a to the bakery but also all around you know the bakery and the town and the beaches to showcase what a what a beautiful spot mm. Um, mm. the south coast is so the series isn't only to explain mysteries and and find best pies for example but it's also to shine the spotlight and say hey a lot of us go on holidays a long way away overseas other parts of australia but we've got a very um our region whether it's the shoalhaven the eurobadala the sapphire coast or canberra uh, the southern highlands it's you can have great holidays around here and and uh, we're hoping to uh, to show that to to mm. viewers through um, through this series and I know something I really um uh, start to notice more and more uh, JG Montgomery was in here earlier yeah. uh, a few months ago talking about um, ghost stories yes and he was saying even if you're you know the most hardened skeptic like the amount of history that yeah. is embedded just in these stories is just absolutely fascinating. That's right. And um, I do a lot of ghost tours around town and, and the region. And a lot of people that come on those tours aren't true believers, aren't there for the ghost. They they just want to come along and, and, and experience and hear some of the stories about some of our history, mm. uh, which uh, which you can, you know, which are easy to do when someone's there on a ghost tour because you've got a captive audience. They're looking for something to jump out behind the cupboard. So they're, they're listening to you and, and, and you really do get to um, portray the... Uh, the region in, in such a positive manner and yeah jg montgomery he's he's uh he's uh a pivotal part of the series as well he's uh scripted a lot of uh a lot of the episodes and uh come on location and and helped uh, a lot with the series so yeah i really do want to point out that the series although it's called tim the owie man the series i'm just there to eat pies and and, and, and say a few words the series really is a, a a joint effort by around a dozen or so um Canberrans who are, who are doing this on their weekends in their free time, giving up their free time, spending weekend after weekend to to film, record, edit, photograph um, uh, our region to to showcase it to uh, to the world because it will be showcased to the world because it, it it will be shown on YouTube. Mm. Um, uh, just before we um, wrap up. Uh about a month ago, you released a book, Haunted and Mysterious Australia. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, in the last uh, 20 years or so, I have managed to get around to lots of haunted and spooky locations around the country. Uh, hundreds of them, in fact. And the book is, I guess, 80 or so of my favorite mysteries or haunted locations around Australia. It's a it's a coffee table style book. So there's um, there's lots of photographs documenting um, the uh, the mystery or the or the or the haunting. And yeah, there's a particular focus, um, as you'd expect, on, on the Canberra region, given I'm from from this area. So uh, it really does showcase buildings like the National Film and Sound Archive, Old Parliament House, 
Duntroon, which has one of Canberra's most famous ghosts, uh, to places like Lake George and also Burnham Homestead down at Bombala, both of which do appear in, in series one of the uh, online series. Mm. So um, where and when can people expect to see Tim the Yowie Man, the series? Well, the series, uh, it it's kicks off on the 28th of October and our first episode that we'll be screening uh, then on on. Uh, Tim the Owie Man the series YouTube channel so all you've got to do is type that into your, your search engine and you'll, you'll, the YouTube channel will come up or you can go through my website which will have a link to it which is just yowieman.com.au mm. uh, so the 28th of October will be uh, our first episode which features uh, the haunted mansion of Burnema just down near Bombala and we're, we're releasing that at that date because that's Halloween week. Yeah. So it's a bit spooky that week. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, for a couple of weeks later, we'll release the um, the Lake George episode. And then uh, two weeks after that, it'll be Great Pies of the South Coast, just in time for everyone to head down the coast for their for their summer holidays. So, uh, uh, and, and, and pick up a yeah. pie along the way. So best way to do it is, yeah, you can uh, check out the my website or jump, jump on YouTube at 28th of October. Uh, is the time and as you say there's a trailer out so if you if you um, have a look on uh, Tim the Owie Man the series Facebook or YouTube or, or my website you'll see the trailer which I think have you seen the trailer yet maybe not I Give, yeah, um, yeah I think I think there are yeah. there's a few things on yeah. your there are a lot of uh, explanations on terms like crypto natural yeah. naturalist and that's um, right but we have different we, sightings as well uh, so yes but we lots have, of information on that YouTube yeah, page and we have got a, um, a trailer which is just on those three episodes and you will remember that if you see because I think you're looking it up as we speak. Yeah. It has, um, uh, we become the first people to actually go on Lake George on a hovercraft. So yeah, when, okay. if you've seen that, then you, you've seen the yeah, trailer. No, I ha- that yeah, rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool. Like you say, once you see it. Yeah, once you see that, you yeah. don't forget that. Not many people can say that they've traversed Lake George on a hovercraft. Yeah. <laughs> Tim the Yowie Man, thanks for being with us here on Subject ACT. Thanks so much for having me, Nathan. That's all we have time for today on Subject ACT. You can find us on Facebook or on SoundCloud, and we also have our previous episodes on the iTunes store. Stay tuned for more quality programming on your people-powered radio station, 2XX 98.3 FM.